Hello and a big warm welcome to you to the Aware Parenting and Natural Learning Podcast with Marion Rose and Joss Golden. We are really passionate about practicing aware parenting and natural learning together and would love to offer you information and inspiration to support you if you feel called to practice these in your family too. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name is Marion Rose. And my name is Joss Golden. And we're so delighted to be here again. We're going through that the lovely list of Aletha's on her website. Over to you, Joss, because you're going to share more about that today. So today we are up to number nine, which says that children under eight years benefit more from hands-on learning than from digital educational activities. Furthermore, too much screen time can interfere with the learning process by stifling the imagination, promoting passivity and using up valuable playtime. So, yes, this comes from Aletha's Principles of Learning. Mm. I would love to say before we go any further, I invite anybody who's listening to put down any emotional sticks right now. So if you're if you're feeling if you're hitting yourself with a guilt stick or um, a shame stick right now in relation to how much your child or children are on screens, we invite you to put those down right now and to remember that this is really hard parenting in this way and doing natural learning in or whatever it is that you're doing in a culture that doesn't support parents and that often screens um, can be really supportive for parents as, you know, when we're busy or when we want to be concentrating on something. So I, I think we'd love to preface that before we talk about all the other things to say um, you know, and to be really compassionate with ourselves in relation to our child's screen use because if we're judging ourselves or them, that really gets in the way of being able to think clearly, being able to offer connection, being able to offer play, being able to offer loving limits, all those other lovely things. Yeah, absolutely, Marion. I'm so glad you started with that. That's a really beautiful place to start. And yeah, we're living in these nuclear families where we don't have support. We don't have other people taking care of our children. And we do often have to resort to things like screens in order to be able to make time for ourselves to do all the other things that we have to do. So yes, it's it's really not about judgment at all. And with aware parenting and with natural learning, I love that it's really about observing our children and then we can see what impacts these things are having on them in the moment. And then we can see, do we have capacity right now to support them with that? And then if we do, we can move in and listen to feelings and that kind of thing. And if we don't, then we can reach out for support. But yeah, this is not ever about judgment or harshness or self-criticism or any of those things, because yeah, we're all doing it hard. And when our children are at home all the time, it is really difficult sometimes. It's really hard if we want to try and make a living ourselves or if we've got sessions and the kids are little or whatever it is that we're trying to do. We do have to at times resort to these things, which are very, very effective at keeping our children busy and occupied whilst we're doing other things. And there is this real tendency around screens for lots of judgment, comparison, self-criticism, harshness. It's a really big one. And there's lots of talk in the society about how damaging screens are and about the effects of dopamine on the system and all that kind of thing. So it's very easy to go into that judgment and criticism around it. And yes, we really invite you as much as possible to not do that and to do Marion's courses about getting free of all that judgment and guilt (laughs) and stuff if you're finding yourself going there because it's so much. I love how you say that, Marion, about how when we go into that 
judgment and criticism of ourselves, it's so disconnecting. And then from that space, it's so hard to actually support our children. It's so often that we then go into that trauma response and then we start getting angry or really upset or we start criticizing ourselves. Oh, I'm a terrible mother. I'm such a bad parent. And from that space, it's it's so hard to, to really connect and support. So yes I love that you started there thank you yes well I I did the experiment myself as well and I remember many times of that being oh the the doggies are, are playing again so if you can hear their noises yeah just many many times of going into not only judgment but also fear of the future I I really did that experiment and noticed that anytime I was making predictions about how their lives would be given that they're on a screen right in this moment and had been on for X amount of time that again, I would often go into fear and then go into, you know, maybe trying to use power over or harshness rather than actually, you know, actually if I wanted to offer a loving limit, for example, being in the space where I felt loving and I felt relaxed in my body and could really offer that true loving limit. So it's very, very hard, isn't it, when we're we're in fight or flight to to respond in the ways that we know how to in a way of parenting. So doing whatever we can do to support us to stay in that more of the time is really helpful for us. And yeah, picking up the sticks or telling ourselves they're going to be X, Y, and Z in the future if they're on a screen now, both of those lead to us often feeling very agitated. And that's when we do things we regret. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've had lots of conversations over the years with listening partners where I've got to express all of those fears. And that's then helped me so much not to then respond to my children with those fears. But I have had lots of times where I've felt like, yeah, like you say, these dire predictions about the future and how, you know, they're going to be this, that and the other as a result of sitting on screens or, you know, whatever it is. And um, judgments about, you know, not moving their bodies enough or sitting still and but any time yeah, I went into that fear response, that's really an invitation to, to go to your listening partner or, or to do your practices or to, you know, get your journal out and to really, you know, write all those things down. And, and sometimes it's really helpful to then afterwards, you know, to go back and to look at the things you've written down and to just be inquiring really, is that, is that really true? Am I, do I really think that my children will be? drug addicts by the time they're 18 or whatever it is that's going on and that's so crucial to us being able to support our children um, with aware parenting and with natural learning too and to come back to the trust yes I I also find the other thing it's funny isn't it that we're doing this as a preface I I think they're important prefaces before we talk about the beginning what we shared about the beginning is also to really see all the ways that screens do support amazing types of learning and, well, learning, connecting, <laughs> creating. There's so many amazing ways that screens do support children and adults in that. So again, I think that can be really helpful to to include all of these before then saying, okay, what can I do to support my child to, especially in that first eight years, to be learning in ways that aren't primarily screen-based so again to really acknowledge screens are amazing like look what we're doing right now (laughs) like we Mm. you know we both create online courses we do so many things and and connect and contribute in so many ways via screens so I think it's really important to name that and to not demonize screens again to to really 
notice and observe if our child is on a screen like oh what are they actually learning and to include that again I find it supports us then to in a more relaxed way to also offer many and plenty opportunities for other forms of learning that are not screen-based. Yeah I agree and I think especially when you're homeschooling and natural learning screens do have extra beneficial effects for our children too because it does allow them that connection with with their friends, with their colleagues, with the people who that they're playing with and, and those sorts of things. It allows them lots of opportunities to learn all kinds of amazing things and to dive really deep into it. And it's part of that trust process because sometimes they do dive really deep into things. And, and so as much as we can, going in and actually joining them and watching them and observing them with what they're doing so that we can see all the value that they're getting out of doing it rather than going into that that judgment and fear around it all is, is so helpful. And there's been lots of times when my children have had, you know, uh, lots of beautiful connections and friendships with people online and really got a lot out of doing that kind of thing as well. And because we're separated from our families and their friends might move to the other side of Australia or whatever it is, it, it, they do serve lots of wonderful purposes for our children as well and so reminding ourselves of that can be really helpful if we're finding ourselves going into the fear yes exactly so given those as prefaces yes and we can talk more about and particularly younger children do you have any well, i'd love to say i wonder if i was to talk to my younger the younger mother me whether i would do things differently and i would definitely i would definitely hold off on screens for longer than i did i mean we and I'm really grateful that, that it was quite some while ago. Like, you know, I didn't even have a phone when my daughter was born. I was really like, I, I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not willing to get a mobile phone. So, and I didn't, Facebook didn't exist when our children were born, were they the first ones anyway? So there was, you know, it's a lot easier in many, many ways, I think, back in those days also to, not only for us to be on screens, yes, but also for our young children to be on screens. And I remember... Uh, yeah, we didn't, Lana didn't have very much, she's 20 now, she didn't have very much screen time in those first, definitely like four years, um, but I would definitely hold off for even longer if I if I was doing it again, because what I found, I don't know about you, is when screens came in, because they are so enticing and because they are like the endless in terms of what they can offer and they in terms of entertainment and learning, I find that that it does become harder to to find ways to meet everybody's needs. So, yeah, I wonder. I wonder about you. Would you do anything differently? Mm, yeah, I'm thinking we we didn't have much screen time when the children were little, and I think we started allowing my son to watch a little bit of TV or some like films when when my daughter was born so he was probably two but it was very it was very rare then and I think it was it started because we were I was having Jada at home so I was having a home birth and so in that process in the lead up to the actual birth that's when he started watching films and things but I think it's the longer you can hold off for when they're when they are little the better and I would say that what I wish I'd done is is been more mindful about the decisions that I was making about screen time and actually really connecting in with myself if they were asking for screens or when we were talking about screen time and making a, a plan that worked for the family. 
but actually really doing that mindfully rather than reactively in the moment or I just really liked it when when I was later on really clear about how much time I was willing for them to have it just was a, a much easier and I think it comes back to that when we're offering loving limits to our children just being really clear in in our bodies in that sense of what we really want in that moment so yes it was much easier for me when I was really thinking okay what am I willing for my children to do are they allowed to have an hour a day is that is that reasonable or is that too much or is that too little or you know but really making a mindful choice then supported me to be really clear so that if they asked for screens outside of that which they often did because they are so enticing and it's such a powerful control pattern often for our children it was much easier for me to respond with that clear no if it was a clear no so that's probably something I would do differently as well Mm, so here you just so important is it to get really clear for ourselves before we're having those conversations with them about what yeah what what we have a yes and a no for and where we stand and what's important to us yeah I also remember times like that as well where I really wish on also particular things and they're a bit older and particularly once I became a single parent and I was working and they started to watch things that actually I wasn't I uh, really wish they hadn't watched uh, whereas in the beginning I was very very like you know this you know, it's like things like Charlie and Lola back in the day they didn't have um yeah they didn't have Bluey that if anyone most people in Australia would know about Bluey which has got a lot of attachment play in it but you know it's very very restricted but yeah I also wish I'd been more more clear on my nose and stated them more clearly in those early years Mm, yeah and it's so difficult for parents isn't it because so much of what is marketed for our children as being appropriate for them I find to be completely Mm. inappropriate for them and it's very hard if you start down that road to to come back from that because once they've seen things they can't unsee them and a lot of the films I mean I remember my son watching Finding Nemo and I was like, what a cute little film. And then in the beginning, we sit down to watch it together. And the first, in the first five minutes, the mother dies. And it's really traumatic. And so there are so many really unpleasant themes that are being, we, our children are being exposed to in a lot of the screen that is marketed as being age appropriate for them. So, yeah, I, I always would watch, after that experience with Nemo, I would always watch something you know, with my children or before my children watched it. But I know that there are lots of times my kids watch things that I wish they hadn't. And things like, you know, the Harry Potter films, for example, you know, they're very intense and and scary and dark. And so, yeah, there are lots of examples of that. And often these sort of brightly coloured kids' cartoon films, yeah, it's great, it's for children, but they do have lots of themes in them that are really difficult for, and are likely to produce lots of feelings in our children. So I think part of it is understanding that if you're going to allow your children to watch these things or if your kids are going to watch these things, which they probably are when they go to other people's houses anyway, there's lots of feelings likely to be there as a result of watching them often. And I wish I'd been a bit more aware of that as well, I think. Oh, Joss, we could do a whole three episodes and that's one of my really <laughs> big passions because although like with more TV type things or children's programs, I I, I think, I, well, do you know how I knew this already is because I remember Lana's bought, it was a DVD back in those days of um, 
which one is it Bambi for a second birthday? Oh. And I was like, there's no way that I'm giving this to a similar thing. The, you know, the mother dies or something right at the beginning. So, and also for both of them, they, I think we even showed them one or two things relatively early on and then they were like straight away it was just really clearly overwhelming so I am the same like I found watching Finding Nemo really traumatic so with films I was actually the opposite and I'm really glad like they we didn't watch they didn't watch films until they were like any children's movies till they're at least like nine or ten Lana I wasn't she she went to the cinema when she was 11 for the first time I was not willing for any of those I, I feel so strongly now and I actually think I used to just think, gosh, they how do these companies not realise? And now I actually think they're doing it deliberately. I think they're Ooh. actually deliberately traumatising children. So I would definitely recommend not taking young children to see any movie that's marketed to me for, for children. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're great for adults, a lot of them, aren't they? Same about the Harry Potter books that I really held off, I think, until, I can't remember, until they were 11 to even read the books yeah. alone in the didn't see the movies till after that. Just find it horrific what is seen to be for children when they're just basically traumatizing. Mm. They? Yeah. And I absolutely. Think, yeah, from my own experiences, I experienced that as a child. I I was reading all kinds of this is showing my age, Agatha Christie and all these horrific even Stephen King books when I was like 10 years old. So I, I think I had a little bit again of like, ah, oh, I want to be careful about this. But I didn't do it with the TV programs for some reason, but I, I knew with books and movies, I was really determined to for them to not actually experience what I had experienced. It's often helpful, isn't it, when we when we have something that really makes a big impact on us. We go, I'm not willing for my child to experience this. Yes, like going to school, for example. Exactly. That's where we've both come from. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, it is concerning what's marketed at children. And I'm thinking of video games as well, which is another one that often boys, I mean, not necessarily, but often boys start to be drawn to these games where there's sort of desensitization to really excessive violence is is a real issue. And the other thing that was really concerning me as well that I hurled off for as long as I could was seeing the impact on a lot of the sort of conversations that go alongside those games through through the game. And often when my son was younger and he would, you know, tell me what was said or that somebody had, sometimes you can type messages and things would come up. And of course, that um, being online allows you access to all kinds of different people, many of whom you don't really want to be having any contact with your children. So it does require some supervision and some care, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. I also held off with Minecraft, I think, until they were about eight. And I probably even wish I'd held off a little bit longer because, and, so, and again, amazing educational thing. They learn so much. And my son's still into it at 16 and was showing me something he's just creating. And I'm, I'm in awe of what they actually can learn and and co-create together and they often have with friends but yeah once once they get into these things they are so enticing aren't they and and I think they can also get into the flow state when they're mm. when they're playing games like that as well so I think it's really making the most of in-person connection and in-person learning in-person uh, you know actually tangibly feeling and touching and sensing things for as long as possible yeah 
Yes. And it's interesting. I mean, Aletha wrote these principles of learning initially in 1992, and she's updated it, of course, a few years ago in 2019. But I think exposure to screens in school is now so much higher. And even when my son was in kindy, they used to all have a session each day doing a maths thing and a session each day doing a reading thing, aged four. And I'm sure that that, I mean, that was like 16 years ago. So I'm sure that by now it would be even more than that. And so it's particularly detrimental for their learning in schools because, as Alita says, she's talking about it using up valuable playtime and and school itself is using up valuable playtime so much. And so if the interactions that they're having with other children and the opportunities to explore hands-on and all those other things are being reduced because they're also spending time alone sitting on screens at school. It's even worse in terms of the impact on their experience and, and the likelihood for that to be causing them to have feelings and lots of mini traumas and, and to dissociate. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't have much more to say, but just like... Yep. <laughs> and it was interesting when I interviewed Aletha recently and she was talking about that she because so she talks here about promoting passivity, which is such a important aspect of that dissociation state. And she was saying that she actually worries more about children who are in that dissociation state in response to trauma than hyperarousal, because even yes. if the hyperarousal kids don't get their needs met, they do at least get some response to them. Whereas children who are this in this passive state are often seen as good, being a good girl or being a good boy. Or, oh, he's so quiet. He just, you know, he's such a good boy. And it's, they're so easy to ignore and it's so easy to dismiss these symptoms, which are actually showing us that they are in, in that trauma response. Yes, exactly. You know, I'm thinking about, you know, again, back more in our day, I remember the reading Joseph, no, it's not Joseph Campbell. What was the other one who wrote about children? Mm, I'm getting his name. I will remember it. And I remember he was suggesting, and this was a long, long time ago, that for children not to be on screens hardly at all until they were 12. And I remember at the time thinking, oh my God, that I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna be able to do that. So, you know, I think eight is a little bit more doable for for parents to be at least holding off uh, you know a lot until eight years old. Not completely, obviously, you know, for all the reasons we've said, but so again, things have changed, haven't they? And they change every day in terms of, I see little pictures of little babies, don't you, of, on iPads and things. I just like, wow, I can't even imagine just, you know, just because it's, you know, our era was so different for little small children to be, to be learning straight away through that medium. It's, it's huge, isn't it? To, to skip out the steps of actually being able to feel and touch and, and move things around three-dimensionally and, so important yeah yeah and I mean all the other effects on their bodies as well in terms of their vision and and focusing for such long periods of time only in one small sort of 20 centimeter away from your face kind of thing or, or sitting for long periods of time and not moving their bodies and again how that's this is such a new thing in our evolutionary history as humans these things and how how so much of it is is marketed at parents now about, especially with this push to get your children reading early or, you know, to support their learning and early learning centres and all this kind of thing. And so there are lots of digital 
educational programs that are deliberately designed to support your child to learn, apparently. So it's it's very hard for parents to be to not want to use these things and think that they are beneficial for their children, their young yes. children. Yes. By the way, I remembered his name, Joseph Chilton Pierce. That's who I was trying to, to talk about. And and again, responding to what you were just saying, Joss, like, again, I think it comes back to really supporting ourselves as parents and other parents to understand how valuable our interaction is. And we've talked about it a lot in other episodes, haven't we? The the deep importance of just everyday living and learning through everyday living and how important that that is just being part of you know cooking or or shopping or you know all of the everyday things that we do and how much learning is really foundationally based on that isn't it that and that all the and again with both of our backgrounds in psychology piaget talked about this that actually those more the skills later on that are more abstract really need to be based on these tangible felt sense experiences of picking up objects and playing with them and seeing how they fit together and all of those things it's the it's the abstract understanding that's really based on that in in all things isn't it so it's mm. so vitally important for children to get so much of that and so much through play as well. I love that you, that you talked about that. Mm. Yeah. And play is, is so interactive and it's so much, and, and Aletha says here about stifling the imagination. And it is about that the difference of the hands-on play where you're actually getting to determine for yourself exactly how the game goes and, and what it involves and all of your different imaginations that are that you're conjuring up for yourself. It's a very different experience than watching something much more passively where it's all being designed for you. And so it leaves very little room for imagination. Yes. Hmm. How are you feeling when you when you see guy? Like, oh well, gosh, it's hard, isn't it? Because again, so you know, number one, these things are also amazing, uh, and yeah, it's such. A, I just have so much compassion for us all as parents to be living this in this era where this is often so much of a challenge of like, living, as as we said again at the beginning, in these nuclear families, which is not how we're designed to live not having the support, not having the community and having these incredibly enticing instruments at our fingertips all the time. It's just such a difficult, challenging, often situation to be in. So just lots of love to all of us. Yes, thank you. I'd like to do that too. And I think it's hard as well because we are often using screens ourselves for our work, for our interaction, for our entertainment. And so it's very difficult for us to be helping our children to have a really healthy relationship with screens, whatever that looks like in your family, if we're also not not having a very healthy relationship with screens ourselves. And I'm, I've got, a, I still have a big, strong screen control pattern, definitely. And I have a, when I've got feelings, I will often binge watch Netflix or, you know, scroll for hours on Facebook or whatever. And so it's hard for me to support my children with their screen control patterns when I also know that I have my screen control patterns too and that I'm modeling my screen control patterns for my children. So it does make it really, really hard to navigate. Yeah, it really does. And yeah, I want to add the same. You know, it's definitely my control pattern of choice and, and was as a child as well. You know, when it was TV, I watched a lot of TV as a child. It was definitely my thing more than any, you know, more than food or anything else. So. Mm -hmm. yeah it's very very hard so I, I just think 
I love that we started with compassion and we're continuing with compassion because it's it's so important. And again, even what we're sharing about all these things that are being marketed as for children and all the, you know, all the ways that we're getting swayed and we're maybe not really understanding until we've experienced it as we did to actually go, oh, actually, this is having the this impact on them. Um, uh, you know, I think it's very, it's a very tricky position to be. And I know one of them actually one of the most painful parenting things I've ever experienced is the first years of my children I spoke classical MVC to them so I was like you know, I was really determined that they didn't learn you know all the things that I'm passionate about not speaking you know not judging and all of those things and I really remember it was when I became a single parent and I needed to actually work more to get money more money mm-hmm. And they, that was when they started watching things, programs that I really didn't enjoy very much. I mean, they weren't violent or scary. They were just kind of, I just, you know, lots of everyday language that we, you know, people talk in this culture. And I remember that them shifting away from feelings and needs language to just, you know, to judgments. And I, I found it so excruciatingly painful. So it's just, you know, that seems like a small thing, but it, that was one of the most painful parenting things that I experience is seeing that the impact of these screens and it's very interesting isn't it a lot of kids we're here with often my son will say things with an American accent or it's a word that we don't normally speak in our family he'll have a an a American way of pronouncing it because he's heard youtubers speak it I mean it's it's powerful the impact that um, this culture this you know device culture is having on all of us, unless we're out in the woods with no screens at all, in which case you won't be listening to this podcast probably because you probably don't have anything to listen to on. <laughs> yeah, and there is that thing as well about restriction. Oh, sorry, I wanted to respond first of all by saying I totally resonate with what you're saying about the, really? the, the painfulness of those experiences and, and how hard it is when we're trying to juggle everything and make make our families work for everybody and we know that the result of that is also stuff that we really don't want for our children. So, yeah, and I'm sure that's the experience for lots of people listening to. So sending lots of love to everybody about that. But there is also this thing around restriction and, and how when you restrict things, you make it so much more enticing for our children. So if we were living in the forest without any Wi-Fi and without any devices, as soon as our children came across them, they would be completely absorbed and uh, totally like instantly addicted to them, wouldn't they? And there is this thing with screens when they do become control patterns, because they do for so many of us. It's such a powerful way to dissociate, to keep feelings at bay. And so it's almost like we use screens in order to free up time for us. But in doing so, we are suppressing feelings for our children and they are developing these control patterns. And then we have to switch them off and there's big feelings. And often that feels really uncomfortable or difficult for us. And so in the end, it's actually more work often putting your child on a screen than it is to, to not have them on a screen and to be you know doing some attachment play. And then afterwards, they're all connected and they're off and, and yummy and looking after themselves and, and happy to entertain themselves for a while. But it's those times when we really need our children to be definitely occupied for that period of time for us to be able to to do something or have an appointment or have an important conversation with somebody or you know do a session or whatever it is that we become so reliant on them and and yeah as we've said for all those reasons that we don't have grandparents there to pick up the children and take them outside or aunts or uncles or you know other 
um, significant adults in these children's lives to be able to take care of them in the moment. So it's really hard. It really is so hard, isn't it? I I often say exactly as you said there is that because they're so enticing and so, I mean, they're, they're fantastic at dissociating, aren't they? Although actually, you know, for me, reading a novel helps me dissociate even more than any screen. But anyway, it, it's the same thing, isn't it? That because they're so enticing, they're really helpful for us when we really need to concentrate. And it's that also that very same thing that makes it often so hard for, for them to be willing to get off again. And I think it's that kind of um, polarity that, that is why screens are such a topic of... Um, challenge for for so many. Yeah, and I mean, Alita's talking about children under eight here, but it's still challenging the older our children get because the more that their interaction is over screens, regardless of whether they're homeschooled or at school. But you know, so many children now, say teenagers, would be using you know Snapchat and TikTok and um, Instagram and those kind of things to be connecting and learning and exploring and, and um, be keeping in touch with their friends. So it's, it's certainly, it doesn't get easier as they get older. So it really does require us if we want to be practicing aware parenting around screens to be getting support for ourselves about it first, I think is the most important aspect of screens and getting the opportunity to, to share whatever it's bringing up for us and the fear and the judgment and the worry and all of those things and then choosing our moments where we have capacity to listen to feelings and then offering our children loving limits about it because it can be a really amazing opportunity for loving limits screens it's so we can literally sit our children down in front of the tv we can go chat to our listening partner we can have a cup of tea we can go out in the sunshine and barefoot on the grass and then we can be like right we're going in, we can anticipate there's going to be some feelings and we have capacity to be able to listen. And then we can go inside, we can connect with our children. What are you watching? Oh, that looks amazing. Have some lovely, yummy sort of connection time, sharing the love and the joy for whatever it is they're doing. And then we can say, we're going to switch it off after this. And then we can say, I really hear you. You don't want to switch it off, darling. I know I'm right here. I'm listening. And they can get all their feelings out. So it can be this really beautiful process to support everybody, but it can also be really difficult because there's times when you're like, oh my God, you've already been on for two hours, which is longer than I wanted you on for anyway. And now you're making a big deal about switching off and it's really easy to go into that, isn't it? It so is. And I remember way back in the day that I was even reluctant to talk about it to my empathy buddies because my projection was that they were judging me that my child yeah. was on the screen so isn't it was so powerful that that um that sense of being well, the belief of being judged that actually got in the way of me actually receiving support I needed and the listening I needed so no oh, I'm glad you brought that up yeah I think that is a real thing because it is something that people have really strong beliefs about yes. and there's often in that in the sort of natural learning community there's often a sort of unschooling approach which is you know allow your children to have as much screen time as they want and to learn to self-regulate around screens and to not ever say no and to never have any limits whether they're loving or otherwise and so that's often part of the conversation so you might be coming into contact with lots of people who have that opinion in which case there might be some judgment or you might feel some judgment about you wanting to put some limits in or exactly the opposite, where you have a lot of people who are coming to it saying, oh, no, I never want my children to be on screens ever. And then you're like, oh, I'm such a bad mother because my child goes on screens. So it's really difficult. And that's why, yeah, I think it's really nice with you as much as possible to have, have these conversations with 
like-minded people who who really understand aware parenting, who really understand natural learning, and who really are able to listen without judgment because they have this capacity to listen to feelings, which is amazing because they're learning how to do that with their children so they can do that for you as well. But it is a process. Yes, and I think that deep acceptance that it, even even with aware parenting and natural learning, we're all going to have slightly different ways, you know, for our own unique family that that fit for us. And again, that deep compassion and non judgment of each other, I think, is so vital to create that emotional safety for everyone to go. Yeah, this is what we do in our family, and this is what we do, and this is what we do. I think it's so vital. Yes, absolutely. And the more that we are deeply connected to that sense that we get from natural learning about each person being unique and each person's learning being unique and each person's experiences being unique it helps us to stay connected to that sense that yes this is our family this is what's happening in our unique circumstances and so we don't need to compare ourselves to anybody else either positively or negatively because it's it's irrelevant what anybody else is doing yes because one child might be actually so cool to I don't know, like my daughter does like amazing digital art. I mean, she did a lot of it again, uh, paint, you know, painting actually with real paint and coloring and all of those things for many, many years first. But there, you know, might be another child who just just is passionate about animals and really doesn't want to spend any time hardly on screens apart from maybe maybe watching some documentaries about animals in other countries that they don't actually get to see. And again, it will depend winter on us. Like, you know, that's how I've always seen it because I'm that's how I generally make a living. It's either seeing people on Zoom or creating online courses. I also really trust that this is not aware parenting at all, but I trust that on some level, my children chose me. They didn't choose, you know, someone down the road who who has nothing to do with screens and hardly ever uses them at all because actually those children's callings are completely different. So I think there's also that. That's really helped me as well to to trust actually that. You know, there's some deeper meaning and purpose, which uh, which isn't aware parenting at all. I love that though. That's really beautiful. It's really reassuring. It's a really nice perspective to to add to it to help us to stay connected and trusting, which is so helpful. And I I noticed myself wanting to share stories about all the sort of wholesome things that my children have done on screens over the years, and my tendency to go. Oh yeah, well, my daughter learned to play the piano because she used this thing on YouTube or this sort of thing. But actually, again, it brings us back to what we were talking about a few episodes ago about us seeing value in in everything that our children are doing and us coming back to that trust that with our guidance and our support and our love and supervision and care, our children are likely to be getting great value out of whatever it is that they're choosing to do and increasingly I've, I've learned to try not to be judging that one type of screen activity is somehow better than another or one type of screen activity is is worse or that if they're doing something it's it's not teaching them anything like if my daughter wants to watch a haul on YouTube of somebody who's just been to the op shop and I think, oh my God, it's such a waste of time you watching somebody talking about shopping that they've done in an op shop. Why don't you just go to the op shop? But yeah, trying to trying to come back to that trust. And again, for me, that's about sharing that with my listening partner. So I then do come back to that trust that yes, there is clearly something of value for her in this experience. And sometimes it is suppressing feelings and that's okay too. And sometimes it's about what she's learning and sometimes it's a combination of those things, but just being really trusting and compassionate with myself and with her 
just really helps the process and doing the opposite really is so unhelpful yeah yes yeah and another thing I find really helpful is remembering that we did do a lot of of non-screen things in the early years I mean they still had screens but there was a lot 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 and yes even though there's now a lot of screens that they're still that they do have that foundation of lift experience and same for me you know a lot of stuff I do at the moment is on screens but I also have done a lot of stuff and I've traveled and been to different countries and spent many years before we even had hard you know we just had tv we didn't have any of the other stuff so I think that's that gives me reassurance as well that it's this foundation of of actually all yeah, in-person experience too so mm. that's it's funny isn't it the different things that we do to support ourselves to feel comfortable with things <laughs> yeah yeah and for me it was really my, um I used to love trying to bring balance into their lives and trying to bring balance to my lives too so that you know if they had spent time on the screen I would then say you know it's time to switch off I'm going to listen to feelings and then we're going to go to the beach or we're going to you know go outside or just try to bring lots of different experiences into their day so that there was variety and, and movement and time outdoors and and all the different things that I also really valued and that allowed me to be like, okay, well, I, I don't mind if they spend an hour now on screens because, you know, it's so much easier to trust that that's all okay if we've also been to the beach and we've done, you know, we might have read some books together or we might have been out with looking after animals or, you know, we might have been doing stuff on the farm, in the garden or whatever. But that really helped me to stay trusting too. Mm, yum. So many things mm. that we can do to support ourselves. Isn't, isn't it isn't there isn't there yes yeah yeah <laughs> I'm very competent at my grammar I am I know exactly what I'm talking about <laughs> did you learn that in school <laughs> I did do you know what I love about about the whole school thing you know when people like I do know what a verb is but I, I never I mean I actually do know what an adjective is but I don't really like if someone says what's an adjective it's not something it just jumps into my head is that we don't need to know these things we don't need to know this is a verb this is an adjective and this is a all of that stuff because we learn to talk and we learn mm. how to speak and mm. use these words in apt places it's something about that that really I don't know why that just jumped into a line but it did so much yeah. stuff that's unnecessary meta level learning that Yes, you might want to learn it if you do, if you want to be a writer or something. But otherwise, who cares whether something is a verb or an adjective? Yeah, I know. It seems so silly, doesn't it? It seems so unnecessary to be filling their days and their minds with this stuff if they're not interested in it. I was really interested in that and I love studying linguistics and stuff. Oh, but yeah, I, 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 speech is your, I mean, speech is your yeah. thing, isn't it? So, of course. But I didn't, I didn't. I wasn't interested in it at school at all. So as as Alita says, it's using up valuable playtime. <laughs> <laughs> I think that could be like a bumper sticker, isn't it? Is this using up valuable playtime? If yes. so, yes. say no. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I think it is worth remembering that we had this conversation recently in our, I think it was in the Aware Parenting and Natural Learning community and around screens and somebody whose child is at school we're saying how they spend so much time on screens now at school. So we tend to have this idea that if our children are at home, they're going to be spending much more time on screens than they would be if they were at school. But I don't think that's necessarily the case at all. Yeah. 
It's a bit like, isn't it? Like if they're doing that at school, they could might as well just be doing it at home. They could be watching yeah. the same thing at home. Or maybe not. Maybe you'd prefer them not to be watching the thing that they're being showed at school. Yes, so, quite possibly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, but I do remember my children also having lots of conversations with their friends who were at school, like on Snapchat or whatever, and their friends would be answering all day whether they were in oh, class really? or not. Wow. Wow. So it, Amazing. So it would be really tricky to to manage the screen thing in a school environment, I would have thought. Yes. Mm. Is there anything you would like to invite people who are well, listening? Yeah, how do you feel? How do you feel? Would you would you like some empathy right now? Would you like to connect mm. with your empathy buddy? If you haven't got an empathy buddy, would you like to connect with one? There's a we have a there's a, a beautiful group that Carolina Valencia Coleman set up. If you haven't got an empathy buddy, we recommend that one, the Facebook group. Mm. How about you, Joss? Yeah, I think the same. Uh, there's, that's it's just so crucial with screens is to be, you know, having the opportunity to share how you feel so and share your thoughts that are coming up about it, and then get really clear about what you really think, what you really believe now, and what you really value, and and then find a way to see what works in your family, and then of course changing it all the time because things change all the time. But it just really does require us to be getting a lot of support. And maybe that's on a screen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Would you like to chat with your empathy buddy on Voxer um, or Zoom? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Such a paradox, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Mm, offerings, Joss, would you like to share about your offerings? Yep. Um, I um, Oh, well, um, Danny and I have had lots of people approach us about coming and joining our community mm-hmm. and wanting to join in. So we're just exploring that at the moment. And we are going to be opening the doors again just for a few days at the end of November, the 25th to the 29th, I think, of November, mm-hmm. so that people can come in and join us. They'll be starting in month three, where we're going to be talking all about control patterns. Oh, so it's a nice time. And anybody coming in will, of course, have access to all the other stuff that we've covered so far and all the resources that we've shared and all the lives and the Zoom calls and so on where we've talked about the different things so far. So that's a lovely thing. Yeah, and I have my Aware Parenting yeah, yeah. Teenagers course, the Yay. live round starting on the 28th of November. So I'll put up the details of what those live rounds will be and when they will be soon. But yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to starting that. Yeah. Yum. And you offer one-on-one sessions as well, don't you, for people oh, who yeah. are practicing Aware Parenting and, and Natural Learning or would like support to move towards yep. those things? Yes, and and people whose kids go to school, of of course, as well. Yes, yeah, everybody. (laughs) What about you, Marion? I actually do have a kids screens and aware parenting course. It's just a little course Ooh. which actually goes through a lot of what we've talked about today. But it's you know opportunity to go through and explore you know what needs are met by screens for you and your child, and you know just you know, opportunity to explore that a bit more. And I have some spaces open for aware parenting instructor mentoring. So if you either want to become an aware parenting instructor or you are one and you'd like support, that's um, that's my new thing. I'd help Mm. oh it's so wonderful yeah I love that screen course that you created it's so Mm. helpful for people so lovely and yay to more aware parenting instructors in the world it's just it's so it feels like it's really growing doesn't it really does doesn't it even just in the last year it's transformed so wonderful yes 
Yum. Where well, parenting taking over the world and then natural learning next. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Such a such a big part of the the aware parenting process is really supporting our children at home. Yes. So it fits together so nicely. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. We are sending you all lots of love and yeah, see you again next week. Yeah, so much love to you. We have really enjoyed talking to you today and we hope that you enjoyed the episode too. We are sending you love however you feel after hearing this information. To find out more about Marion's work, you can go to marionrose.net and for Joss's website, it is awareparenting.com.au. We wish you much love and connection on your aware parenting and natural learning adventures.